All right, I want to, first of all, we're going to be talking about overcoming the stronghold of poverty. That's really what I want to talk to you just briefly about this morning. And um, first I want to read uh, John five seventeen through 21. I read that to you last week and talked a little bit to you about how the enemy wants to just steal your vision. Both the vision that God's put in your heart for your life to do or whatever, but also your ability to see spiritually. And the enemy's after that. Because if he can take you out of that, he can take you out of these verses. Uh, Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now. Everybody say working. working. God has a real emphasis right now for us to do the works of God. Because the Lord himself and I myself am working. For this reason, that therefore the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Um, important. Well, I'll wait and say that. And just say it. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless he sees the Father doing so that's the thing that the Lord really wants us to do is reveal to us what the Father is doing. And the Father is working. The Father is active. And He continues to be active as long as there's human beings on the face of the planet. Um, so that's what we really want the Lord to do. And the Lord has given all Christians an ability to see spiritually. You have that ability where you believe it or not. If you would just begin to look, you'll begin to see. Um, for whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So the key to doing the works of God is copying God, just being copycats. Whatever He's doing, we need to be doing. It's just simple, really. We don't need to be doing a bunch of stuff He's not doing. Yeah. And that's the key. You know, That's why you get burned out and messed up is you're trying to do something the Father's not doing. You know, timing is a very important thing in the work of God. Um. I would quit wearing a watch for a long time because I didn't really need one. I got a, I got a phone that's got a clock on it, but I quit. But at the first of the year, the Lord told me to start wearing a watch again. I thought, I don't want to wear a new watch. I had to go get a battery for it, and it's just aggravating. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but my weight fluctuates about four or five pounds, and I can always tell in my watch where I am in my weight. That's how I tell how much I weigh is my watch. <laughs> but the Lord told me recently, this is why I want you to wear it, because he said, I'm going to emphasize you timing. Timing is important in doing the works of God, that we really have to understand God's timing. And we're really in a very unique time right now. And it's time to do the works of God. That's what time it is. It really is. And God, there's a real call. If you don't, that dream I had a couple of years ago, I was fixing to get on the interstate in the car. See, I was going somewhere. See, God's calling us. See, we're calling us to move and go somewhere. Of course, the enemy, that's when he really comes after you, when you begin to do that kind of thing. That's, you really need to pay attention to that. For the Father loves the Son, okay? The Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. So the foundation of seeing spiritually is having a revelation of the Father's love on a personal level. Once you have that personal revelation, then you have, the, you have what it takes to see. You, you have this knowing in yourself that God is going to reveal things to you. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you may marvel. I woke up, this, the Lord woke me up early uh, this week and gave me a word. And he said, this was the word he gave me. He gave me a phrase, the wisdom of Wigglesworth. 
That was the phrase, the wisdom of Wigglesworth. Now, I don't know how many people in here are familiar with Smith Wigglesworth, but he was a very powerful guy back in the early part of the 20th century. And actually, I used to be sort of what I consider myself to be a Smith Wigglesworth disciple because Arthur Burke knew Smith Wigglesworth personally. This man had uh, several documented cases of people being raised from the dead under his ministry. Uh, he's the famous guy who uh, coined the thing of punching people when they were sick. He punched a guy one time, had stomach cancer or something, and he got healed. I don't advise you punching, but I guess what? He saw the father punching, so he punched. Uh, I can tell you all kinds of stories about Smith Wigglesworth. I love him, uh, and Arthur told me a lot of personal things about him. He was a guy just like you and I had some, had some real thoughts. He was a stubborn old guy. But uh, I found, I went back and looked. I've read every book there is about Smith Wigglesworth, read all his message. You know, any book that's out there, he didn't write it. They're just his messages that somebody took and made into a book. But I just went back and just was really asking the Lord, what does that mean, Lord, wisdom of Wigglesworth? And I found this. This, this is what Smith Wigglesworth said about his life. This is how he summed up his life. Uh, these are the things that he said, this, these were the things that, that motivated in his life and that he lived by. First, read the Word of God. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Profound, read the Bible. <laughs> Second, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Consume the Word of God. And, and now that would be sort of, we would call that be a more of a meditate. You just meditate it and let it become where you are just being in the Word. There's no separation between you two. Third, this is really profound, believe the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. See, that's what we've got to get back to in the church. The church has gotten away from some things on the Word. And then finally, fourth, act on the Word. And see, God's calling us to get back to a place where we believe what the Bible says. And we begin to stand on what the Bible says. And we begin to act on what the Bible says. Again, your, your life can be looked at of what you really believe. Your actions are going to follow your beliefs. In other words, my greatest desire in life was to marry a woman, a certain woman. Okay? And when I was, actually, when I was seven years old, the Lord gave me a vision. This is before I was a Christian. Okay? He, he does speak to unsaved people. Because he knew I was going to get that. He gave me a vision of a girl. Okay? And it was an olive complected, dark haired girl. So when I met Becky, I knew that was the girl God had for me. You know, I believed it, and so I pursued her because I believed something. So your action, if I didn't believe that she was the one, I wouldn't have went after her because I didn't really want to just marry anybody. I wanted to marry this certain girl that I, had, that I knew that God had for me, and she was it. And I, so my actions follow. See, our actions follow the Word, what we believe. And see, God, what has happened in the church, I really believe this, because there have been excess teachings coming out of what we call the faith camp. There's been some excesses in that, that, that stream. But I'll tell you, that stream is a gift from heaven that God has given the church of people who have made a decision to simply believe the Bible. Now, they may teach some stuff that may not be right. But see, the Bible tells us to take the, the, the precious from the worthless. And don't even worry about the extremes, the excesses. Just take the truth. And the truth is, is we need to believe the Bible and start standing on what the Bible says. You know what I'm saying? That's really how Smith, Smith Wigglesworth operated, totally. If you go back and read his messages, 
They were about the most simplistic messages you could possibly read. A third grader could understand what he was preaching because it was just simple. This is what the Bible says, therefore this is what we're doing. One of his favorite statements was this. If the Lord doesn't move me, I move the Lord. Now, we, we don't seem to be operating in that kind of faith, but God really wants to, to call us into the acts of God. Amen? Are y'all getting this? The acts of God, the works of God. He wants to call us into these things, and it really is going to take something to stand on. And I know there's a lot of people in this room that have been contending for things. You've been con- like contending for healing or contending for a financial breakthrough or contending for a breakthrough, contending whatever it is that, that you have contended for in your life that you have believed God for. And I know I even had a guy tell me this week, I'm tired of believing God for this. You know, it's like, we, you know, we've, we've got to contend for these things and we've got to not be victims you know, the church should not be, the people of God should not be victims. But we're full of this victim, being victimized. And, and one of the things that the Lord has really begun to reveal to me on a personal level, an area where I've been somewhat of a victim, it's been in this area where this, of this, this poverty spirit or yoke of poverty. Now that thing that we had up there that's really white right now, you can't really see him, you know, when we think about poverty, that's what we think about. We think about a homeless person on the side of the road. And that is really a, a, a natural view of poverty. But I'll tell you, if you look at that, many of us are like that spiritually. That's who we are spiritually. We, we have a poverty, a, a stronghold operating in our life that are, that's keeping us from being who we're supposed to be and having the things that God wants us to have. And God really wants to, to deal with that. He wants to, he wants to, first He wants to expose that in you and I. And that's what the Lord's been doing in my life. Because all my life, from the time I was born, you see, that orphan spirit, that's, the poverty spirit is a manifestation of the orphan spirit. That's, a, that's a, an exercise of this, of this orphan spirit. That it really it manifests itself in this stronghold, this binding stronghold of poverty that sets upon us. And what happens is anytime God calls you into something, you know, or anytime you have a, there's a need in your life when you're trying to believe God for something, you're going to have to deal with the, the do you have a, a, a mindset or a stronghold of poverty influencing you and keeping you from what you believe that God has for you? And that's really where you're going to really know it. Because you may sit there today, no, I don't, you know, you don't have those needs. You don't have anything in you driving you towards something that's bigger than you are and greater than you are and impossible on a natural level. And that poverty thing stands between you and I and what God has for us. And it's a really powerful spirit. It's a real, real neck breaker. Actually, what a lot of people don't realize is in Genesis 3... The Lord Himself cursed, brought a curse in there. He released a curse in there based on what man had done. And He said, the ground's going to be cursed because of you, because of what you've done. And you're going to get increased from the sweat, from, from toiling. Now, God has called us all to work, but He hasn't called us to toil. It's a big difference there. In the realm of the Spirit, God is, is calling the, the people of God into a work, the work of God. But He hasn't called us to toil 
and strive in our own strength to do what He's called us to do. And see, what happens to people, there's a, what happens to people is God calls you into something, you feel it, you sense it, and you begin to go after it, and there's an impossibility aspect of it, and that's where the toiling begins in your life. You, a lot of times, we go out and set out to make it happen ourselves. And that either create frustration or you create an issue more in your life that, has to, that you have to support the rest of your life, right? Isn't that the way Ishmael's work? You get an Ishmael in your life, you're going to have to maintain old Ishmael. That's, believe me, it's no fun maintaining something that God's not interested in maintaining. In the Bible, in the last chapter of the Bible, which really, I'm going to tell you, I got some, there's some secrets in the last chapter of the Bible. There is a blueprint in there. There's really a blueprint in that last chapter of the Bible. I mean, it's pretty, pretty ingenious of, of the things that God wants. And one of the things that He doesn't want is curses. Because it says in the last chapter of the Bible, there's no curse in heaven. There's no curse in heaven. And God wants to break, and, and, and poverty is a curse. Let me, let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 8 9. Are y'all okay this morning? Are y'all, are y'all engaging in what I'm saying? Because I'm not just telling you just to give you a, just to give you a talk. I'm telling you this because I want to go after this stronghold of poverty that rests over many people's lives. I know it has been in my life because I have, it's, I've been dealing with it. I've been having to face it because God's given me a vision to do something that I, can't, I cannot do, that it's impossible for me to do. And what it has done is exposed in me a stronghold of poverty. That has, to, that has to come down and it has to be broken. But this is what it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the very last verse in the, in the whole Bible, I'm getting spit all over this new thing here. The very last verse in the whole Bible, you know what it says? I mean, this, now think about it. But God has written a, a long book, you know, and the last thing, you know, it's like the last thing, you're dying, your last breath that you want to say to the people you love. The, Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's the last thing the Bible says. And Somebody said amen. Well, that is, you know, it's like that, amen. amen. Let it be so, Lord. I think that's pretty good. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So understand this about the poverty stronghold, the poverty spirit. The poverty stronghold is not there to keep you from getting the things you want. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. It's there to keep you from being able to receive everything that Jesus Christ did for you. Do you see the difference? One of it is like, I want something, I want something, I want something, I can't get it. The other one is God is saying, no, I want something for you, but there's a blockage between me and you. Do y'all see that? And God does not want the blockage. Let's read Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The Lord became that curse. He took the curse on himself. Any kind of curse, but the curse of poverty in particular I'm talking about. Okay, Addison, go ahead. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us, the blessing. 
so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Know what it's saying. We're to receive something. There's something that God wants to release to you and I. But there's a curse that operates. There's a stronghold that operates in our life and our minds. And that's what a stronghold is. It sets in your mind and influences your thinking and influences your actions and keeps the grace of God from being able to come into your life where it needs to. And so whatever it is you need, this, this stronghold keeps it out. It's like the door's locked. And it can't get to you like it wants to. All right, let me just read it like this. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. finds. And to, who, to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give, ye, give what is good to those who ask him? Now that's the thing right there that this stronghold of poverty wants to keep you from. Right there. The good things that God has intended for every one of us that is standing there blocking you from receiving it. Now, you think Jesus Christ had that working in his life? He did not. Jesus Christ went around healing people, delivering people, walking on the water, feeding 5,000 people with a little bit of food. Why, did he, why was he able to do that? Because he didn't live from this world. He lived from, from a world that was free to receive everything the Father had for him. So therefore, it would just flow through him. Now, you can be absolutely rich and have a spirit of poverty on you. Howard Hughes, I don't know if y'all know about Howard Hughes, but at one time he was the richest man in the world, Hughes, Hughes uh, Aerospace. Harold, you know, he developed planes. He was a very brilliant man, both from an engineer perspective and from a business perspective. But Howard Hughes was so messed up, he could not, he didn't want to be around human, other human beings. He would shake hands with people and immediately run to the bathroom to wash his hands because he was so afraid of getting some kind of sickness and disease. Now, that was that poverty spirit at work at a man that was rich, had everything he wanted, but he lived in fear that something bad was going to happen to him. And so you see, you see movie stars that have everything. They're rich, they have fame, yet they're running around trying to feed this emptiness inside of them. It's a poverty spirit. They're impoverished. See, here's what the devil does to people. The devil gives people stuff all the time and tries to get you convinced this is what you need in your life. He's given movie stars, people like Howard, he gave them vast sums of money and power, yet here they were on the inside just dying. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is, is the devil comes to Christians and convinces you that you need something. But really, you, and you get it, it's really not the Father what the Father wants for you. So you may get some things that you think you want, but in the end, you are going to be bankrupt on the inside. 
I'm telling you, there's people in this room this morning, you've went after things. And look, I'm not saying they're sinful things even. But it wasn't what the Father had for you. And in the end, it doesn't satisfy. In the end, there's an emptiness that comes into your life. A barrenness that comes into the realm of your soul. And you've been influenced by a poverty spirit. Do you see how that works? I mean, it's really, that's just a classic thing that works over and over in people's lives. And if you hang around long enough, people, and go through stuff with them, it comes back. They come back because there's this bareness in them, and the things they got didn't satisfy them. And I'm telling you something, people are influenced by this spirit big time. Paul the Apostle said this in 2 Corinthians 6.10. He says, "...as having nothing, yet possessing all things." Now, that doesn't make sense at first. Having nothing but possessing all things? I mean, make up your mind, right? I mean, when you read like, make your mind up, Paul. You either got something or you don't. But what he meant is that he had a lifestyle that did not depend on anything that he was getting here. His life did not depend on what he got here. His life depend on what he got there. That's where he got his life from. Because he didn't have a poverty spirit at all operating in him. He was completely clean of that. Well, I don't think we can say this morning that we're completely clean of that. Where the things in this world, things that we've gone after, really matter at times when they shouldn't. And I'm not saying they're wrong things. I'm just saying, I don't think we can say like Paul says. We have nothing, but we possess everything. In other words, whether you give it to us or whether you take it is irrelevant to us, God. Whether we have the money to do what we need to do or whether we don't, that doesn't, that's not the issue for us. We're going to be able to do everything you've, that you want us to do. That's the bottom line. And that's the thing that ultimately will satisfy you. God really wants to free people of this. If we're going to do the works of the Father, we have to receive those things from the Father. And we have to remove the things, and this is one thing that has to be removed out of our life. So, <clears throat> there's, I, got five, I wrote down like five fruits, this is what I call them, of being influenced by a stronghold of poverty. Now, any one of these five things can happen due to other reasons also. But I'm just telling you, these are very real things, and you can begin to tell if you're being influenced by this. The first one was, is the emptiness of heart as a believer. If you are suffering from emptiness of heart this morning, now how many in this room, I, if, I wish we would all be true this morning with ourselves. How many in this room have gotten things from the Lord, and when you got them, you realize this is not it? I mean, tell, tell the truth this morning. I have. I've gotten some things that I really wanted and I believe that God wanted me to have and I'm blah, blah, all this, but when I got them, I realized this is not it because it didn't say, there was an emptiness in me. I didn't really receive something. To, you know, God is a God of grace and mercy. He'll work with it for a long time, but God doesn't, He wants us to get us free from that. He wants to give us some stuff that's going to satisfy us. That's what He wants to do, that when you get it, like, man, that's very satisfying. That's good. I, it may not be anything that manifests in the natural, or it could be something that manifests in the natural. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about material things being negative or evil. If God wants you to have a brand new Lexus convertible, hybrid, I mean, get, get that thing and be just as happy as a pig, in, you know what I'm saying? 
I'm, that's, it's irrelevant. I'm just trying to get you to see something this morning. The other thing I believe that, that well, the Lord showed me is anger. I've had the Lord to speak to me. He, and the sad thing, he spoke to somebody else in the Bible and asked him the same question. is, why are you angry? He asked Cain that. Why are you angry, Cain? And I, he's asked me that. Baron, why are you so mad? And my reasons was, basically, that I couldn't get what I thought I wanted because I was trying to accomplish it myself. And it was killing me. And it made me mad. On the inside, I was mad for no reason. But see, that's what that, that spirit will do. It'll make you mad because you can't, you can't do what you need to do. You can't do what you believe God wants you to do. And, of course, there's fear. Anybody got any fear working on them this morning about anything? Yeah, good. I'm glad you all telling the truth because I get scared too. <laughs> you ever heard that old, old story? I got, I got to take this minute to tell you this old story. Somebody got up and prophesied in the church and, well... And then another person got up, and the Lord said, I understand how you feel. I get scared, too. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Did y'all get that? I get scared, too. What in, the, in other words, this guy was saying it was the Lord that was getting scared. He didn't realize what he was saying. <laughs> sometimes, we think God, sometimes we think God's scared, right? He ain't scared. But we get scared. Fear. Fear. If you got fear in your life this morning, you possibly could have an influence of this spirit or this stronghold operating in your life. The other thing is depression. Anybody suffer with depression? I mean, you just get bummed out, man. You're sitting around bummed out a lot about life, about your life. I mean, has anybody else in this room? Are y'all, are y'all a human being like me? I have sat in that office depressed. And why was I depressed? Because God called me to do something and I couldn't do it. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And it was depressing me. There was emptiness in me. Because there was something between me and God. And the Lord said, you got poverty on you, boy. <laughs> you know, you, let's get this off. The other one's anxiety. Are you anxious this morning about these kind of things? You ever prayed for somebody... Or didn't pray for somebody because you felt like you didn't have anything to give them. That's the poverty spirit. You ever had this statement, well, who am I that the Lord could use me? That's poverty. You ever had the Lord speak to you about something and you said, well, Lord, that's crazy. Why are you talking to me about like that? Why, why are you even talking to me about this? I don't want to talk to you about this. There's nothing I can do about it. That's poverty. Have y'all ever heard God's talk to y'all like that? And you tell them, why in the world are you talking to me? I've asked the Lord that about little children. Why in the world are you talking to me about orphans, Lord? I can't help an orphan. That's a poverty spirit saying to me, no, you can't, Byron. No, you can't. Well, the Lord wouldn't be talking to you about something. He didn't want you to do something. See, a lot, of, a lot of you don't do anything in the church or you don't do anything in the world where you're at because you say, well, I don't have anything. That's poverty. And eventually it will destroy your life. It will mess you up spiritually. You will never see what God has for you. You will never be... So what I, I want to go back to that thing, contending for what God has for you. 
standing on His Word. Did God speak to you? Yep. Well, we're standing on what God said, not on what we feel, not on what a poverty stronghold tells us. And we're going to break the power of poverty over us because we're going to do what God asks us to do. God wants to break the spirit of poverty over this church. He wants us to be able to do what He's asked us to do, to fulfill the vision, fulfill the mission. He wants us to. He really does. He wants to break it over you and I. He wants to get it out of our lives. He wants to remove it. He wants us to be yoked to Him, not to poverty. And it could have something to do with your finances. It really could. But it may not. It may not be about money. So, Lord, I want to pray right now for us. Lord, when you said that we would do greater works than you did, John 14, verse 12. I'm going to read that. That's been one of the most irritating verses in my life. I'm thinking, if I could just do what he did, I'd be happy. You want me to do greater. Lord, I want to read this verse because this is the goal. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Lord, we just pray. I just pray for everybody in this room that first of all that you would help us with our belief system this morning, that you would make adjustments in us. Just, just make those adjustments, Lord. Lord, I, we, want to just, we want to renounce the spirit of poverty in this room. Okay. Here's how you get rid of strongholds. is you confess and you renounce. Okay? If you want to say these words after me, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess to you that I've been influenced by a stronghold of poverty. And I've made decisions and I've made choices based on this, this spirit, and not the Holy Spirit. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me clean. Let your blood come down now. Wash away all that. And I renounce the spirit of poverty. In Jesus' name. And I say to this spirit of poverty, your commission over me is finished. You no longer have authority in my life. And I command you to be broken over my life. Leave my life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I invite Holy Spirit. I invite the spirit of adoption. Come more. I invite you into the places in my life where that spirit of poverty has occupied. Illegally, at my allowing it. Now you come now, and now you fill me, and you begin to wash away and move out of me those ways of thinking and those ways of doing. I want to see what the Father's doing, and I want to do that. And I'll say, Come, Lord Jesus. Fill me. 
Fill me. Fill me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just bless you. Oh, Lord, I just declare that over river life, Lord. You've called us to be an expression. Mm. You've called us to be an expression of your house. Lord, your house is full of glory. Mm. We invite the glory of God into this room right now. We invite heaven into this room. Lord, there's a call to the nations in this room. Lord, your heart is for the nations. Can I ask you this morning, anybody feel that call into the nations? Would you raise your hand if you feel it? I mean, you really feel it. You feel it strong. Yeah, Lord, just for those people who've got their hands raised right now, in Jesus' name, there's, a, there's an anointing for that being released. Just release it more, Lord. Release it more, Lord. Just release it more, Lord. Somebody who ordered pizza, the pizza man's here. <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> Amy, just release that. I believe. You see, that's the thing. God is called. God has a heart for nations. Our nation, many nations. Father, we ask you to release the anointing to do that. To go into the nations. All right. Listen. This is something the Lord reminded me of this morning. Kathy Walters, when she was here, she told people, "If you need to get your passports, I'm going to remind you of that word. Passports." God has a calling for people to go into the nations. Now, again, what I told you earlier, the timing thing is important. You know, we go when we see Him going on a personal level. He'll release us at the right time. But if you have that, God's going to do it. That, that's really important to God for some reason. I don't know why. It's another one of them things. Like, What's He talking to me about the nations? Lord, you know that ain't my job. <laughs> it's like, yes, it is your job. It's your job <laughs> on a personal level. Our job on a personal level is the nations. Do you hear me? See, I had this idea in my mind. I've always had this calling about the nations. We're supposed to have a church that, you know, helps people who feel called, help them to get ready, help them to go, help sustain them while they're gone. You know? And then one day the Lord said to me, No, that's not the whole thing. You've got to go. You, you personally, you have to go. We all have to go. We all have that calling in our life. Now, some of us may be back more than there, but we all have that calling. And God wants to put feet to the gospel. He wants to put feet to the river. And if you study, I don't, I don't want to hold you up this morning, but I want to tell you this. If you look in the last chapter of the Bible, it, there's a blueprint in there. I told you that. Here's what the blueprint. The Holy Spirit River gets released. Okay? That's what God's doing in the last time, releasing the Holy Spirit River. Then, once that Holy Spirit river is released, guess what happens? The tree of life comes. And the tree of life has fruit on it. And every month there's a different fruit. And that really speaks of being led by the Holy Spirit, of what God's doing. He'll particularly emphasize whatever. And so let's just ask the Lord right now. I want to take this time. Father, what is your fruit for April for us? What's specific for this month right now for us? Because we don't want to be doing stuff that was January at fruit and when it's April. We want to know what is the fruit for April 2008 for us that we're to eat today, this month. Give us that, Lord. I also said there's leaves for healing of what? Well, healing, first of all, what did Matthew say? God's emphasizing healing. Okay? And that's why I want you to get rid of that poverty spirit which tells you, well, ain't nobody going to get healed when I pray for them, which is a poverty spirit. 
Because Jesus, people got healed when He prayed for them. He had no lack because the Father's healing, I'm healing. You see what that'll do for you? It'll give you boldness like a line where you can see God heal people. Yeah. Healing of the nations. So you see? See how God this thing progresses? Then it talks about there's no curse there. God goes after curses. He goes, it delivers. He's breaking things off in people. Are y'all seeing this? Yeah. That's really the Bible. That's really what God wants for us. All these things. God wants to release this into the church. He has a plan. When He says, I release the river, there's a plan that comes with it. And we just sort of need to fit into the plan. What's the plan? Show us what the plan means now. And if we'll do that, we can move with God and what God's doing in the earth realm. Now, I'm really convinced on this stuff. And ultimately it says this. You know, the Spirit says come and the bride say come. There's a calling for the bride of Christ to rise up to the world and say to the world, come. And there's a power and anointing on that. We're not coming to church. We're coming into His house where the glory's at, where His presence, there's His throne's there. See, there's something that God desires in the earth realm like that. He really does. When I read that, I see this is what God has for us. Not just us like we're some special human beings. There's many us's across the face of the earth. He wants to release that. That's what He's about. No more tears and shame. He wants to eradicate those things from our hearts, our lives. So we can eradicate. I'm just trying to help you have a vision this morning. Because we need a vision for what God's doing and where it's taking us. So, Bollinger. I just wanted to say that this morning I really was getting blown away by the first service because the Lord was just, this really is Him. And one of the things I wanted to encourage you is that He really does want to speak His Word to us so that we can stand on it when the world or other authority figures or other things speak one thing. And I just want to say, if the Lord is speaking to you in the mornings and He's bringing Scripture and things to you, be aware of that when something that day contradicts it. Do you, from either the world or, you know, and, and is trying to say one thing, the Lord was speaking to that word to you that morning to hold on to and proclaim in your life. And to really release, that's the promises. This is the truth. This is what the enemy's trying to throw at you, and this is the truth to hang on to and walk forward in. And the Lord spoke to me, and I just want to say this to you real quick so that you can, This I feel like it may be for somebody this morning. The Lord spoke to me this week. I woke up in the morning, and that, that was just ringing in my spirit. Don't worry about a thing. I've got you covered. Don't worry about a thing. I've got you covered. I will keep you as the apple of my eye, hide you underneath the shadow of my wings, and underneath and cover you with my feathers. And I had something happen later on that day that was completely contradictory to that, was speaking fear, was trying to speak fear. But the Lord was saying... I said, don't worry about a thing. I've got you covered. Did you hear me this morning? I was speaking to you. I was saying, don't worry about a thing. And then the Lord was speaking to my son. I, he didn't have a clue about anything. But then later on one night, he said, Mom, do you know this? Do you know we really shouldn't worry? Because when we're worrying, we are not trusting God. 
And I said, yeah, you're right, Judah. You know, and the Lord just really, I think that thing about the Word and standing on the Word and knowing that's the truth and even authority or things that would maybe speak things to us that would want to speak fear and anxiety. We really should not cling to those things. We should cling to the Word and the truth of what God's speaking. And I just want to say, be aware when the Lord's speaking through His Word. That's what you need to cling to and proclaim as the truth in your life. Yeah, and we want to just lay hands on anybody that wants you know, hands laid on them in addition to the corporate prayer. I'm just breaking that fear, that depression, that anxiety, that emptiness of heart off. In addition, I just wanted to say that, you know, there's a verse that... Um, <laughs> there was a choir from heaven. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Sorry. There's a verse that preachers love to use in taking up an offering. And it's that, um, I think it's in Corinthians, something about how they, you will give liberally, you know, with all liberality, excessively, in other words, is what that means. And I felt like, and this has really very little to do with money, just as Byron was not preaching this message necessarily about money, even though it includes that, is that this church is called to give excessively. God is calling you and me to give excessively. I mean, there's going to be many of us that are going to be sent out from here. Well, we're sent out every day to give excessively. But throughout the world, that's this thing about the nations. I mean, if you were looking around and saw how many hands went up, God is calling us to give excessively, not out of our wealth, but out of His. Out of the things that He possesses, that as sons and daughters we can walk into those things and give them away. Jesus said, freely you've received it, freely give it. As you really, not only that consumes you, as Smith says, Smith Wigglesworth, but as that consumes you and then you begin to walk in it, it's a very, very powerful tool. So I just, that, that was a word that I felt like I had. And then in addition to that, Buzz was saying that a lot of times, here's what came to him, if you don't mind, I'm just going to share this, is that a lot of times we have our eyes on giants in our life that hinders us and intimidates us from being who we really are in the Lord and being able to give away what we really have. And so, in, in other words, a lot of times we just need to get God's perspective and to clear away that giant mentality. You know, or those, those ten other spies that saw the giants instead of Joshua and Caleb seeing, you know, the promises. See, they had the, that spirit of adoption working on them. Joshua and Caleb did. The other ones didn't. They had that, that, that orphan spirit or that poverty stronghold operating. Amen? So we want to really just come against that thing. And you know if it's you. So, Andy? In the first service, I had a vision while we were leading worship of all of you guys turning to each other, laying hands on each other, and, and ministering to one another. And then when Byron was praying about the fruit of the tree for the month, I really heard the Lord clearly say hospitality towards each other but it wasn't that we had a fellowship dinner here at the church it was that we were really stretching ourselves out towards one another and um, part of part of the grace that comes from being in the body doesn't happen on a Sunday morning service but it's about being connected with one another and there's something that happens in those times of fellowship it's a grace that's released from the throne a certain grace that can only come through that that element. So I feel like the Lord is is 
nudging us right now. If, if for some reason you, you have lunch plans or you don't have lunch plans today, um, maybe, maybe, you know, it might be inconvenient, but maybe grab somebody. It doesn't even, maybe it doesn't even have to be lunch, but maybe it could just be a conversation with somebody you don't normally speak to or, or lunch that you don't normally have lunch with somebody with. So I just really heard the Lord say that. So just take that for whatever that's with. Amen. Thank you for that fruit, Lord. Thank you for that fruit. Well, amen. Let's just all stand up together. And uh, I'm going to dismiss you now, but I also want to just pray. Um, pray for the blessings of God to be on you as you go throughout the week. And uh, if you want prayer for healing, I'm going to ask our ministry uh, students, school of ministry students, to come up. Um, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say over here on this side near the drums. Just guys, come on up here even now. And uh, we're going to pray for healing anybody that's sick. And then in addition to that, if we have some ministry team folks, come on up. We want to pray for uh, pray against this stronghold of poverty. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. You are awesome. God, I ask for your blessing to remain upon each and every family, each and every single person, Lord, that today and throughout this week, Lord, I pray that you would go with them, that you would be their source, that you would be their protection, that you would be their guide. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would come and just reveal more on this true word, this rhema word that's come through this morning. Lord, we pray that you would reveal that in our hearts, that it would consume us. God, I pray that this word would even consume, would pursue us this week. That this word would pursue us, Lord, even when we're not looking for it. God, that you, it, that you would look for us. God, that you would speak to us. That you would reveal your heart to us. Lord, we just thank you. We bless you this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.